when rat pups sleep, even those who are on the most outside of the group of pups, they want to have at least a paw on the tail of the nearest one. Our, it is a part of being a mammal, what it is to be a mammal, to need to be in community and to be comforted and to take comfort from each other, often with physical touch. In our house, we just use the phrase paw on tail <laughs> to say that we need some comfort. Paw on tail. As the news of this week unfolded, one chaotic moment after another, with our democracy ever more destabilized, the promotion of war hawks to the highest office, and in a regime that delights in chaos, where it is not an error or some outlier, it is the method of operation. I considered actually what it would be like to scrap this talk all together this morning and hand out blankets and teddy bears to have us all curl up together and just rest, to have paw on tail to the nearest mammal, to breathe together and to know that we have each other's backs, to know that whatever is happening out there, in here, we will elevate love and compassion and hope and dignity and perseverance, and evidence, and love, and love, and love, and love. Well, it was not hard to determine that 200 plus blankets and teddy bears were not covered in the budget. <laughs> so I decided, what I decided is that not one bit of bad news would I share up here. As I set myself the task, actually it was set for me by the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee that this would be Justice Sunday with a focus on climate justice, that I wouldn't share one bit of bad news. Now that's a task. <laughs> not one more shake of the head, not one harumph, not one exasperated wail or frisson of inner angst. No more, no more, no more. I cannot, I cannot stomach one more disheartening story of destabilization. Only good news stories from me this morning. <laughs> yeah. We shall see. <laughs> then again, we can't change the news, so perhaps we can change the frame of the story. We can look for successes and opportunities and models of complexity, places to rest and rejuvenate. I, Jim, you're the one who's really accustomed to changing this, and if I do it, I'm going to break something. Could you set this so it could be a little lower? Thank you. A little morning choreography from the tall guy. Thank you very much. Sure. 
So let's talk about a few environmental successes. It's important to find them and name them. First, first I want to talk about the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative and the Asian Carp Study with working groups like the Alliance for the Great Lakes. Our Active Voices group helped us sign postcards to send in so that this uh, funding was included in the big omnibus funding bill. How many of you signed postcards with Active Voices? Awesome. This is what we're doing. Policy work is often not very sexy, or for me, very understandable. I don't always get it, but I rely on our Active Voices group who relies on working partners. They find the places that we can add our voices to, build coalitions so that we can get this work done. That happened here. We were part of making that happen. When we say, what can we do? And if you think signing one more card to uh, our representatives doesn't make a difference, it really does. We can see that. I just want to give a round of applause to Active Voices for what you do for us. There are groups like one called Sisters on the Planet. It's a project of Oxfam America, Oxfam America. Climate change, like every other degradation of life on this earth, like every other ill that has its roots in greed and the drive for satisfaction at the expense of others, climate change most affects women and girls in the developing world. Sisters on the Planet is a program that works with women farmers in rural areas to increase yields so they can feed their families and have product to sell so that they can send their daughters to school and stop the cycles of generational poverty. Jacqueline Moret, a Haitian farmer and local leader says, we put our heads together and use our strengths to get this work done. This kind of work cannot be done by one person. This kind of work, global change, working at the individual level, by farmers on the individual level, cannot be done by one person. Paw on tail, people. We need each other. So today is UU Justice Sunday, and congregations around the US and the world are talking about climate justice. This is promoted by the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee. Here's a success. For almost 80 years, the UUSC, UUSC.org, the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, has advanced human rights and social justice around the world partnering directly with those who confront unjust power, power structures and challenging oppressive policies. Climate forced migration. This was a new phrase for me. Climate forced migration. Do you hear it? Migration forced by climate change. Is not something that will just happen to future generations, right? It's not something that's coming. It is happening now, today. 
and it's a major contributor to the refugee crisis in the UK and Europe. And people displaced by climate change are not protected by international law. Environmental refugees are not included in the definition of refugee provided by the 1951 Geneva Convention. This is a whole new thing that wasn't around in 1951, right? So, so they're not covered by those uh, protections. The UUSC is an NGO, a non-governmental organization, and it partners with groups in areas that are most affected by climate-forced migrations. In their community-centered approach, they work with, to support 11 grassroots organizations that work with 15 Pacific Islands and 15 Alaskan Native villages. These partnerships make sure that the communities that are most at risk for climate-forced displacement are involved and consulted each step of the way so that they can decide for themselves if and when and how they relocate. As one Pacific Islander put it, they live by this policy maxim, nothing about us without us. Get it? Nothing about us without us. So this brings me to the way that I always want to check my privilege and ask who is and who is not at the policy-making table, right? As I was doing my research on climate change, I was looking for the voices of climate scientists that were women and women of color. Guess what? Not so many. If women and girls in the, in the developing world are most at risk for negative outcomes from climate change, I want to know where their voices are in policy-making decisions. We know that women, and specifically women of color, are vastly underrepresented in STEM fields. STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math. The way I learned about the phrase STEM was from a woman, uh, a woman of color actually at the dog park who was wearing a t-shirt that said, I'm a STEMinist. <laughs> Isn't that great? So I had to find out what it was, you know? That was a whole new phrase for me. Here's where our work to dismantle white supremacy connects with climate justice. And here's where white supremacy hurts everyone. The problems that this planet faces, the problems that every species on this planet faces, cannot be solved without promoting, encouraging, and making a way for every single person to flourish. We cannot afford to miss the contributions of a single person. And if the structures of white supremacy prevent the rising up of women and girls of color into the fields that will help solve the problems, we all lose. Do you see it? 
science, we are an evidence-based people. We gather here and say evidence matters. And it's important that every one of us bring our best selves and try to understand the evidence, but even more to help make a space for people of color, for women and girls to enter these fields. Men are there, they are getting there, and they're doing great work. We have to support them, but there are voices by definition that are missing at the table. If the structure, not our individual racism, I'm not talking about our individual racism, but by uncovering it, by doing the work of asking who is at the table and with whom do we partner, then we can help make space for those voices to rise up. Let me lift up France A. Cordova. France A. Cordova, whose quote is in the order of service. She says, every new understanding is a truth revealed, but not entirely true. The search for truth is distinctly human. And beauty, true beauty is, in the words of Harold Bloom, that which surprises well. France Cordova is a Latina astrophysicist. She's the first woman and the first woman of color to head the National Science Foundation. She calls us to see the complexity in the natural world, the complexity, this beauty that surprises us well, which includes the brains and hearts and experiences of all of us, not just those of us who benefit from the systems we live in. Let us train ourselves to always ask whose voices are not being heard and then be quiet and listen to them. I titled this morning's talk, Bound and Free, A Spring Awakening, because I am feeling bound by the news, bound by what it means to be a human being in this time of a regime led by chaos, happy to lead by chaos. Spring Awakening is the title of a musical, a Broadway musical, and it's about awakening teen sexuality, right? It's based on a book from, uh, the, I think, the 1890s. It's a German book. And uh, it's, it's about teens who are waking up and their parents' generation can't talk to them. They can't bridge a generational gap. Here's a success. What about these youth? What about these youth? Oh my gosh, if that's not a cause for hope, if that is not a cause for hope. Who was at the march in St. Paul yesterday? Who was able to go? Wonderful. When uh, my daughter and her friend, sophomores from Roosevelt High School, and I got on the train, we walked right into the train and saw Catherine 
and Steve Jordan right there. Uh, that was really fun to see them. We uh, saw uh, Kathleen Quinn was holding up the um, first Unitarian banner as the wind was, <laughs> she was really holding up a sail, finally found a lamp post and we posted a, a photo on Facebook of the Harris family and the girls with the great signs. Um, it was, a, it was a special day. They say some uh, 18 to 20,000 people were in St. Paul and hundreds of thousands around the country. Have you seen the photos on uh, New York Times website? And many other websites are showing pictures from all around the country. The youth are leading us, waking us up, leading on gun safety, demanding change, speaking truth to power. It is so inspiring, and I am so hopeful and encouraged. I'm encouraged by you. Here's a success. Last week, we uh, did a special collection, and we gathered $1,800 to help send students from North Minneapolis to the March on Washington. Yeah, it's big, it's big, that's a lot. That's a lot. The late, great Stephen Hawking said, life would be tragic if it weren't funny. <laughs> he was one who would know. I want to close this story, these stories of good news and hopefulness and difficulty and complexity and no clear answers, but the sense of being in community together. Because otherwise it is lonely, it is flippin' lonely out there to try to do this work on our own. These are the words of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, the namesake of the Parkland, Florida High School, whose students are inspiring and leading us along with our students and other students to change the world. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas said, be a nuisance when it counts. Do your part to inform and stimulate the public to join your action. Be depressed, discouraged, and disappointed at failure and the disheartening effects of ignorance, greed, corruption, and bad politics, but never give up. You want me to read it again? <laughs> Be a nuisance when it counts. Do your part to inform and stimulate the public to join your action. Go ahead, be depressed and discouraged and disappointed at the failure and the disheartening effects of ignorance and greed and corruption and bad politics, but never give up. Say that last part with me, never give up. May it be so.